penis. I feel like mm-hmm. most men are like intimately aware of what their penis is. <laughs> Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Paducci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Ali. I've been super tired this last week. I'm not going to lie. I know last week I did not come through with Friday's episode. Oops. And then this week, I also didn't come through with Friday's episode and I'm sorry for leaving you hanging, but um, I had to catch up on some rest and I'm feeling better. I rallied and I am so excited for you to listen to this week's episode with Dr. Holly Richmond. And we're going to be talking all things sex. So before we get into it, um, I'm not sure how much time you guys have been spending on Clubhouse. I've been avoiding really getting into it because I just didn't really want to engage in another social media app, to be honest with you. But about a week ago, I really immersed myself into it. And now that's it. There's no going back. And if you guys are interested and you're available tomorrow, Monday night, that's going to be Monday, February 8th at 5.55 Pacific Standard Time in the evening. I'm going to be hopping on with Kelsey Grant and we're going to be talking about really diving into owning your feminine energy and the power that comes from that. And we're also going to be talking about how to incorporate more pleasure into your life. These are going to be weekly chats and this is such a good platform if you are on iPhone, sorry, Android users, for you to actually just engage in some weekly conversations with us. And every Monday, I'm actually going to be hanging out with Kelsey Grant doing those fun little talks and engaging conversations with you guys. So be sure to add me on Clubhouse and you can just search up my name, Ali Pintucci. And of course, I plug try and plug this every week at least, but our Facebook group is such a great way to connect with other like-minded women from all around the world. You can access that group by heading to the link in my Instagram bio via at unfiltered with Ali. And while we're on the topic of pleasure, like I said, we're hanging out this week with Dr. Holly Richmond. She's calling in all the way from New York. I'm freaking jealous. Okay. You know how I feel about New York, but anyways. We're going to be talking all things sex, specifically sex, positivity, and relationships. We're going to be talking on communicating for better sex and healthier relationships. We're going to touch on sexuality and sex toys, experimenting with fantasy, open relationships, how you can ease into healthy sexuality after experiencing sexual trauma. And um, that's also a great time to let you know that if any of this is triggering to you because of an experience that you've gone through in the past, please feel free to skip through to another episode if it does not feel in alignment with you to consume this content at this time. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Holly Richman. She is a somatic psychologist, certified sex therapist, and licensed marriage and family therapist with offices in New York, New Jersey, Los Angeles, and Portland. She works with women, men, couples, and gender diverse individuals on relationship and sexuality issues, offering sex therapy and sexual health coaching nationally and internationally. Her treatment specialties include low libido, sexual dysfunction, compulsive sexuality, often called addiction, desire discrepancies in couples, recovery from sexual assault and abuse, and alternative and non-traditional sexual expression. Her dissertation, The Recovery of Sexual Health After Sexual Assault, is an innovative look at both somatic and psychological factors in survivors' recovery. Dr. Holly is regularly quoted in publications and media outlets, including the New York Times, CNN, Shape, NBC, Wired, Forbes, Oprah, Men's Health, Cosmopolitan, and Women's Health. She is a sought-after consultant in the sex tech industry and is seen as a pioneer in the clinical exploration of sex and technology. This week, Dr. Holly Richmond is hanging out right here on the Unfiltered Podcast, and we're going to kick this week's episode off right now. I can't remember how I came across your page. I'm assuming it's through like mutual connections. Um, almost 30 Shanae Alexander, uh, Dame product. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just like, yeah. 
<laughs> I think you started popping up in my feed a few times and I've gone through this, especially over the last few months, tried to be more intentional with what what content I consume. And we talk about it a lot. We, we, we blame the media for a lot. You know, everything's shoved in our face, but we forget Instagram outside from being served ads. We actually get to control like who we follow mm-hmm. and the types of content we follow. And I tried to be more intentional with muting things that weren't serving me and adding more things in that I wanted to learn about. And I think that's how I came across your page. And I'm really excited to have you on today. But I also, before we got on the recording, I didn't actually know there are too many things that I wanted to talk to you about. So if you guys are listening, I have all of my guests fill out a guest intake form. And this form is really great for both myself and the guest because the guest gets to actually say, this is what I'm an expert in, or this is what I feel most comfortable talking about, or it allows the guest to kind of stay in their zone of genius and it allows for like easier flow of convo and all of that good stuff. And then it allows me to obviously prep for the podcast a little bit. But I want to read to you what Dr. Holly wrote because she's, I said, please list three to five things that you love jamming on. And she said, all things sex, specifically sex positivity and relationships, communicating for better sex and healthier relationships, sex toys, experimenting with fantasy, open relationships, healthy sexuality after experiencing sexual trauma, and a few other things. And I sat there and I was like, oh my God, these are all really good things. Like, <laughs> which one do I pick? And I sat there being like, I don't even think I can plan for everything because I don't know which one to pick. And after some stewing, I realized these are all such important topics, but they can't, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you can't really get to a lot of these quote unquote fun things if you aren't experiencing that sex positivity or you're not experiencing that communicating. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Like this is, it's more of a linear process. You can't just Mm -hmm. jump straight into pleasure if you don't have control if you don't have communication if you're not feeling connected to yourself yeah I think we should start with how someone can really connect with self to understand a what they like or what they need or even just learn their body and like how to feel good and then how they can kind of like let's move into communicating to how they can start to like transfer that into partnerships beautiful beautiful Allie do you mind if I start with defining sex positivity you do whatever you want. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like we talk about this construct a lot, right? Like, oh, they're a sex positive, they're sex positive. Um, and we use that term and none of us know exactly what we're talking about. In my definition, again, it's just mine, um, but it's so simple and just it's it's in my head all the time and helps keeps things clear. So to me, sex positivity is this. All sex is good sex as long as it's consensual and pleasurable. All sex is good sex as long as it's consensual and pleasurable. And why I love it so much is because we can get tripped up on, oh, you know, the fantasies, the things I fantasize about are really kind of off-putting to me. I'm not comfortable with it. But if we can go in our head and be like, is it consensual? Yes, because it's just a fantasy. Is it pleasurable? Yes, because it's pleasurable to me. So it just takes the judgments out of sexuality. If we can check those two boxes of consent and pleasure, anything we're doing with sex is okay. And that is so freeing to so many people. Mm-hmm. It is simple when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it totally strips it from judgment. Yep. You like elbows. Great. As long as it's consensual and pleasurable. <laughs> you like bondage. Great. Like yeah. you don't like penetration. Great. Like it's just consent and pleasure. That's really, those are our baseline for having good sex. Okay. Got it. Clear. Yeah. So then how do we connect to ourselves? So first, I always encourage people to be, to have control of their environment um, and of, of course of who they're in relationship with. So a lot of that's about setting healthy boundaries. And, and Ali, I know you, you've talked about this before, but really feeling, figuring out what feels good, what boundaries feel good to me, in what ways do I not abandon myself to please someone else? Right. We can't do that anymore. And I think as a, as women, we're, that's kind of trained into us. Be a good girl, appease, go along to get along. Don't persist too much. Be nice. 
Um, and I think good sex isn't so much about being nice as it is about knowing what we want. So set your boundaries. And that's a practice. Like there's nothing I can really tell you today, like, oh, do this, 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 and this. It's a practice. You have to go out there and do it. And your boundaries are going to be different with different people. So your boundaries with your mom are going to be different than your boundaries with your um, first date versus your boundaries with a long-term partner. Mm-hmm. So it's also about having flexibility around those. Then when we get to pleasure, I always tell people to start with a self-pleasure protocol. So really, you're not going to know how to have good sex or great sex unless you know how to have good sex with yourself. Um, And how I walk people through that is by helping them decode their sexual template. That's what I call it. Um, So this is really your, it's your sexual blueprint. It's what turns you on, what gets you going, what provokes desire in you and what provokes arousal. Um, So desire is really a psychological process of wanting, whereas arousal is the physiological process of it. So arousal is sensation, things that get your body aroused, um, where desire is that process of wanting. Desire is, you know, either spontaneous or responsive. Um, You see that hot guy or that hot girl walking down the street and you get that little like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not in Vancouver. I'm still looking. I'm literally like, hello? Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Keep going. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. Do you um, do you feel like your listeners know the difference between spontaneous and responsive desire? No, I don't. Okay. I don't think a lot of people or enough people speak to this at all. Okay. Um, so a lot of this is Emily Nagoski's work. She wrote this beautiful book called Come As You Are. Um, so absolutely, I want to send people that way. Um, so I want to talk about specifically, I know a lot of your listeners are women. Um, mm-hmm. So a th- something I hear from my clients often, it's, it's, it's women in long-term relationships and they're like, God, just want to want to have sex again. Like, I really just don't give a shit if I ever have sex again. I cannot find desire at all. I don't care. I just want to go about living my life. And I know that's not true. It's just they're having a hard time accessing desire. And for a woman in a long-term relationship, like pulling it out of the sky is not going to happen. Like it's not. So we have to create that space. We have to act as if, and usually we have to go towards arousal. So we have to go towards that physical touch to provoke desire. Let me try to be a little bit more clear about this. Most men, because they have so much more testosterone than women have, desire is spontaneous for them. They can just like see a pretty woman or a hot guy walk down the street and they'd be like, boing, there's the arousal, right? right? For women, especially women who've had the same partner for years on end, like that's just not going to happen because novelty isn't there anymore. And novelty is really the seat of human desire. Like we are, humans are wired for newness. Like what's the newness that we can bring in? So they don't just get that spontaneous desire. So they have to go to arousal first. Arousal provokes the desire. So the arousal means touching myself. The arousal means watching porn. The arousal means listening to erotica, looking at sexy pictures, creating a story in your head, creating an environment that's sexy. Yeah. Instead of just expecting, oh, I I want to want to have sex. And where is it? Where's my lightning bolt? I feel like in most things in life, there's a couple of extra steps for the women that no one talks to us about. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is that it's just really unfair, but I think we need to move outside of that mentality because we are lucky in our generation that it is easier for us to access information and it is more accepted for people to discuss this. We just have to find the people that are talking about it and also allow the conversation to be more mainstream. Like this shouldn't be a taboo conversation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I people like you have me on so I can talk about this because there's, this is science behind it. This is not some foreign language that, you know, we shouldn't be talking about. Like this is, this is legit the facts and women feel so broken because they're not doing it right. Using quotes there. Um, and it's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. So what are some, what are, let's go to, let's go to a, pra- a self-practice. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that I actually, I've heard from quite a few people 
that are in their late 20s, they're in their 30s, and they've not established a self-pleasure practice, let alone even, I don't even want to say a step, they haven't explored. Mm. It's like, oh, you you do that? Oh, it's 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 uncomfortable for some women still. And I feel a little bit sad that they don't feel open or safe to explore that within themselves. So what would you say, let's say someone's on that, on that end where maybe they're curious, but they have a wall up to starting to explore. Like, what would you say would be a good step to, to ease in mm-hmm. to creating a practice for themselves? That's, uh, that's a really great question. So I loved how you said the wall up. So that wall didn't come from nowhere, right? So it's the culture that they were born into, the messages that they were given about sex from their parents or their friends. I really encourage people to think about those. And are those true? Like, are those not talking about sex? That's not true. Like our sexuality, that's a part of our sex. That's a part of our overall health, right? We have to talk about that. Just like we talk about taking care of our bodies in every other way. Um, so challenge those suppositions about sexuality. And it's something that doesn't really need tending to because it absolutely does need tending to. Mm-hmm. Um, the next practical step would be to think about what turns you on. So would that be a bubble bath? Is it um, like a soft blanket? Is music, a martini, a glass of wine, like all of these things, all of these sensory things, like what gets you going? Mm -hmm. So kind of the externalized picture of that. And then also think about who and like what experiences or what acts turn you on. So my favorite tip is for people to go think about your first crush. When's the first time you got like butterflies in your stomach or that little flutter between your legs? Right? Interesting. Yeah. I like that you you bring the first thing you brought up though was pretty not sexual and I think that's so important. It's like what actually turns you on in life? What actually just puts you in a mood to feel good? And that that's just really nice. Like I I feel I feel real good when I'm in the bath drinking yeah. a glass of wine. But not it doesn't have to be in a sexual way. I feel very open and calm. And just connected with self. Like I feel in a very peaceful state. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just expect, again, we expect that we should just be in the mood for sex. And that is like, it's just not true. It's just not true. So I want people to pay attention to their environment into the cues, into the, all those sensations, sight, smell, hearing, taste, all those um, touch, all of those things that we, we don't pay enough attention to. Um, one to interrupt. Do you yeah. feel like it's a more, it's more, okay, like there's so many people, females that live by themselves or males, if you're listening, mm-hmm. you're, you live by yourself. It's easy. You can just, okay, I'm going to dedicate some time to maybe start exploring this. But do you find a lot of, do you have a lot of people that come to you that are maybe already in existing relationships that never took the time to do this and now don't feel like they're comfortable or have the space to kind of take a few steps back to start developing this practice? A hundred percent. Yes. Like far too often, far too often. So if we can change anything for the next generation, I want it to be this, like know yourself first before you get into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And by no means is it too late when you're in a relationship, but you're going to have to have some conversations. Um, you know, it, it, and this is personal for every couple, but I think if, masturbation, if the self-pleasure protocol that we're talking about isn't this huge secret, if partners are giving each other space to do that without without getting all like defensive or insecure about, oh my gosh, they're masturbating. What, why does that mean that they don't want me? Like, that's just ludicrous. We can't be all things to our partners, <laughs> nor can our partners be all things to us. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't get mad at your partner for going to the gym. Why would you get mad at them for masturbating? It's exactly the same kind of aspect of self-care. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a good lead into communication. I spoke with another guest a couple months ago and she said, we, we touched on, we were talking a lot about sex and she said, we, you shouldn't be having sex if you can't speak about sex. 
beautifully said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just like super blunt. Like you can't ask for what you want. You can't have a communication about the communication that makes you feel good or that can, you know, pleasure your partner, vice versa, whatever it is. If you can't talk about having sex, you shouldn't be having sex. Exactly. I love that. And how better to know what you want than to, to experiment with yourself. So when I'm helping my clients create these self-pleasure protocols, it really starts off as more sensual and erotic rather than sexual. So touch your body everywhere, like from the tip of your head to your toes and find out what feels good, where you love to be touched. And, and it's important too. a lot of people figure out where they don't like to be touched. That's really important information for your partner. A lot of women um, don't like their bellies touched, and that makes me sad. But that's the truth. I'm just telling you. Oh my god, I'm one of those. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Don't touch my belly. (laughs) Because yeah, and that's either about judgment, but sometimes people are just ticklish, like on their bellies or on their sides, and it just feels Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. this then, is actually not sexual, but I actually have noticed these feelings come up simply from like, like a physical, maybe an emotional boundary coming up for when I'm getting a massage. Hmm. So it's not sexual at all, but I have noticed I'm like, when, you know, when you flip over and you'll have, especially if it's a female, they'll like ask if they, you want to move into like your chest mm-hmm. or like stomach. And I will say like stomach, do not touch me. Like it's like a hard physical no. Mm. I have no idea why. But I was just like, nope, don't do it. <laughs> I'll karate chop you. Do not touch yeah. <laughs> uh, Allie, so that there's some of that internal work for you. Um, yeah. I, I would be, if you were my client, I'd be interested to see where that's coming. Is that shame-based body image? For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I always find, even I'll find, I have, to, it's like one of my things every day where I struggle with disordered eating and body dysmorphia and a a whole bunch of fun things. And one of my things that I write as my intention or started doing as my intention is I will notice, you know, if I'm driving, if I'm sitting, if I'm sitting here talking to you, oh, there's like a roll on my stomach or, oh, this, this feels a little, and I'll start touching it and instantly it'll build anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to change that to be like, oh, that's, it's okay. Like, how can we change how I'm what I'm saying when I, when I feel those things. But anyways, that was a bit of a detour, but I do, I I did actually notice a few of those like areas, like in non-sexual ways come up for me pretty strong. Absolutely. And that's again, like start with the sensuality and eroticism. And when I say eroticism, I mean like life force, vitality, wanting, it's not necessarily sexual. It can be sexual, but Eros is really about just us and our authenticity and our vitality. Mm -hmm. So start there before it goes into sexual. So touch all of your, all of, I don't like the word non-erogenous because um, for some people, you know, their, their forearm or their upper arm is erogenous. For some people it's earlobes. For some people it's the top of their head. So I want you to come in with curiosity to figure out where you like your body to be touched and where you don't. How do you set the mood with yourself, though, to actually have that switch from, you know, this, I just feel like I'm touching my arm versus, oh, this is kind of turning me on versus having a partner do it. Like, is, I might, I don't, I don't know how to word that question, but maybe if someone else did it to me, I might be like, oh, versus with myself, I might not notice it. Mm-hmm. That, that's great. Or... Yeah. I I think there's no way to know unless you try. Yeah. And it's a practice. And that's where like the talking about sex is imperative between you and your partner. Um, Working out all the details around what's okay in your relationship, what's not okay. To me, that almost boils down to privacy versus secrecy. We all deserve privacy in our relationships. Mm -hmm. The secret keeping part especially around sex, like that leads directly to shame. That leads to miscommunication. That leads to misunderstandings that can lead to breakups. So figuring out where, where you both deserve your privacy in your relationship, communicating about that, which then will make it easier to communicate about pleasure. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. Um, It is in my, my tip for communication, what I found has worked best is really coming in with the intention of curiosity. 
So when we approach our partners from curiosity, it really allows them to stay out of a position of defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So we come in and say, I'm curious. Um, when I said I didn't like it when you touched me there, how did, you know, how are you feeling? Um, instead of coming in and saying, you touched me there, don't ever do it again, which is really going to like push them back and they're going to feel bad about that or they're going to get defensive and and be like, I didn't even touch you there. What are you talking about? Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of the leading with curiosity and especially a how question, which is more of a process oriented versus a why question, which is more of a cognitively oriented or more Mm -hmm. linear. um, It just, it opens up that flow of communication beautifully. I just find it so interesting that communicating is so difficult, not just about sex, about everything. Uh-huh. But I can I can definitely see why if we don't have the foundation of strong communicating or communication skills throughout our entire life, moving into sex adds that whole mm-hmm. other level of difficulty. It's That's not a- the easiest thing for people to communicate about when they can't get to like, they can't even get to the part of like communicating like needs or boundaries. <laughs> And then they're already like jumping into level of sex. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's because we come in, you know, we've all been fed the story that sex is natural and we're supposed to know how to do it. Like that is just like, it's again, just insanity. We have to, and with every partner, it's going to be different. So what we didn't like with an old partner, we might love with a new partner. Right. Okay. So let's say, let's, let's, Let's take this up a notch, okay? So the communicating's feeling good. We're feeling better about ourselves. We're we're feeling like we're more in this like fluid relationship of okay, I, I want to explore a little bit more. I'm feeling comfortable. I can talk to my partner. I want to start exploring some things that maybe I've been thinking about. Is that terrifying or what? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be hard for a lot of people. At what point do you like in your relationship? Do you say like, by the way, I'm into this, or do you? Are we just going right into it? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great question, and it's a hard one. I my okay. Here's my preference. On on that first date, we get to a point as a culture that we are so comfortable talking about sex that that like gets laid on the table right away. So to me, this is really important, particularly if someone has a strong proclivity or kink or fetish. Right. So let's say, Ali, you go out on a date, you meet this great guy. You're really kinky. All your listeners don't know this about you, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Let's say that you're really kinky. You're into bondage. You sit down with this guy and he's super vanilla and you guys get three months into this and then you're in bed and you're like, wow, that was really bad sex. Because he doesn't know that you're kinky. You don't know that he's vanilla. And so now you've in some ways wasted this time, unless you can find a middle ground there. And a lot of couples can, Um, but it would, I mean, it's just sex is as important as any of those other like high tier things that we think about. Like we always ask someone what they do, what their family's like. Those are important to us. How someone has sex should be important as well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just so interesting. It's when we talk about it, it's it's not an uncomfortable conversation. Like if you hear the conversations I have with my girlfriends, it's not uncomfortable. Yeah. Like my group of girlfriends are the most sexually empowered females I've ever met in my entire life. And I love that about them because as much as they know what they want, it's also not a big deal to them. They're like, mm-hmm. I like what I like and I like what I do alone. And I also know that I can go into relationship finding someone who's compatible with me. And if they do, amazing. And if they don't, also amazing, but it's not for me. Right. And it's so and it's so simple to them. And I and I and I love that about them. And then I see like it's just interesting to see so many groups of friends and so many people at different stages of their lives experiencing something so different. Mm-hmm. And I am very confident to say 95% of people listening to this episode are probably going to either be like, what are you talking about? Or it's a very good chance that this might make them feel a little bit uncomfortable at first. Mm. And I think that's very common with 
most of the global population. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think so too, but it's just, an, and again, we can't ask for what we want if we don't know what we want. So you have yeah. to start with yourself. A lot yeah. of women don't even know what their vulva looks like. So start there. Like, let's start with basics. So you've got the sensuality, you've created your space, you've thought about what turns you on. Now you're going to touch yourself. I want, I want women particularly to know what they look like. It's harder for us to see our vulva than it is for a man to see his penis. I feel like mm-hmm. most men are like intimately aware of what their penis looks like. <laughs> It's true. Right? (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. Um, One of the things I'm loving seeing online, well, it's one of the things I'm loving, one of the things I'm hating. I'm hating that more and more people are speaking up about sex and there's like sex workers and it's just getting blocked. Mm -hmm. Things are being censored. Things aren't you know, it's, we're coming into this age where it's like, it's becoming a more popular thing to talk about. People are okay about it, specifically women. And I love seeing it. And as I dive more into the sex worker world and I speak to women, it's really hard to see that a lot of their stuff is not being, they're being blocked. Accounts are getting pulled offline. Algorithms are not showing their stuff. There's a whole list of things. And I hate seeing that. On the other side, I love and love seeing more women take on campaigns with sex toy companies and just, and I, and it actually just showed me that I do have a stigma around it because the first time I saw it, I said, oh my God, Hmm. is she allowed to do that? (laughs) Is she, we're going there? Like, okay. Okay. She's holding it in the picture. Oh my God. She's doing a video. Okay. And then I said to myself, Okay, well, you obviously have a stigma around this that you didn't know about because why does that bother you? Mm. And as soon as I recognized that, I was like, no, girl, do your thing. And now I'm just noticing so more, so many more women opening up and partnering with these sex toy companies. And I find it more interesting to read the comments of the post versus, you know, like the actual ad itself because it really does open your eyes to what people are kind of experiencing in their day-to-day lives in terms of shame, shame around sexuality. Absolutely. And I think I love that you brought up sex toys. Um, I have one on right now. Do you guys know the Crave Vesper? And I'm not getting paid. Like this just happens to be my favorite one because it's so pretty. You can get it in rose gold. You can get it engraved with your name. Like this is a, a, I like things that are pretty and work well. So I feel like this like checks both those boxes. Um, there's so many companies out there doing great things with sex toys. And I just have to give a shout out. A few of my favorite are women owned and women designed. So the, the, they have female engineers on these products. And I'm like, why have we not been doing that for yeah, why for decades and decades? Like, why has this been in the hands of men? And men t- tend to make these big phallic looking things, right? Like, that's not they what actually we make dick looking dicks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the woman made it cool, but I'm like, I usually see it. And I actually often question that. I'm like, did a guy make that or did a girl make that? Right, right. <laughs> Isn't that a girl made this? Um, yeah. So this, the whole sex toy thing, it's just, Ali, I know you know this. Most women, like over 75% need clitoral stimulation to get to full arousal or have an orgasm. Many women can do that with their hands. Many women can't. So that's where the sex toys step in. And I I want women to stop pathologizing themselves and each other if they can't come from penetration alone or if they can't come from using their hand if they need a sex toy. So many women do stop feeling bad about what you can't do with sex. Hmm. That's super important. And I also feel like there's so much stigma around bringing a sex toy into like discussion. Mm-hmm. with your partner I'm, I'm imagining you deal with people that discussion coming up a lot and it like triggers a lot of like inadequacy it does it does and and it's interesting on both sides that happens mm-hmm. so the woman feels bad that she can't come from penetration alone and then her male partner feels bad because he can't do that for her it's so normal and it's so okay um it's really entering into that conversation with curiosity hey I wonder what you would think if I brought a sex toy into the bedroom I wonder if you'd be open to watching me masturbate. I, I mean, if from what I know, most guys are going to be like, hell yeah, do your, yeah. Don't show me what you want. <laughs> and our sex will be better. Yeah. I don't understand the stigma around it. 
Yeah. But I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just, I think I'm just more at a, at a part of my life where I'm a bit more observant and I'm, I am curious. I'm, I'm just kind of open to, I'm open to exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean that in an informational way as well as I think the more I have time to sit with it, I think like, I start to think, why is this actually a big deal? That's the biggest question to me. That's Allie. That's such a big question. That to me is um, this going a whole nother direction. It's patriarchy. Yeah. It's patriarchy. I was just going to say, I'm like, are we going there? As soon as we started taking and talking about <laughs> the yeah. male design sex toys and right. my, in the back of my head, I was like, fuck the patriarchy. Right. Like, honestly. Yeah. But we talked about, I talked about this in a couple other episodes. I started reading this book called In the Flow. Hmm by Alyssa Vitti. If I'm saying her name wrong, I'm so sorry. But I started dealing with hormonal issues a couple of years ago, and no one's been able to help me with it. And this book got recommended to me by a few people. And when I read it, she starts the entire, the whole beginning of the book. And I sat there reading it being like, oh my God, this is me. And then I realized it was 99% of women because from the from the time we're taught as children, like everything in society is based on, on men mm-hmm. everything she talked about like their circadian clock or the rhythm and how the days are how your day is structured and how that relates to male hormones and she's like notice the pattern is that everything is built around men and all the tests we do are, are, are put on men and all the products we do are built designed and she's like no one no one tells you as women that you can just get so in sync with your body by like being in touch with it, by also like syncing your cycle through movement and food. Mm. Mm. And again, this is a whole other, other rabbit hole. But now that I'm more aware of that, I start to see it in every aspect of our lives. And some people will be like, when you say bring up the patriarchy, they're like, oh, you're a feminist or you're this or you're that. And I'm like, can we just back it up for a second? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm coming from a place to say, how interesting <laughs> that the more you're aware of it, everything is based around men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's and again, where we where you and I started, you can't unaware awareness. Once you have the awareness yeah. of it, your, your lens is opened, and you're like, and and to me, like the beauty of that is instead of feeling bad about what we can't do, we see how that was designed, and it wasn't designed for us. So no shit, I, it doesn't work for me because it wasn't built for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we can't, t- at this point, I, I used to take a lot more offense to it. And now I just kind of laugh. And then I also try to be more aware as a consumer, where does my money go? What do I support? Right. And, you know, build it around that. But anyways, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole other topic. Um, I think one of the things I definitely, definitely, definitely want to speak about today is you wrote it in your thing, healthy sexuality after experiencing sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. And keyword in that for me is sexual trauma because I think a lot of people out there, I'm going to say women because I know most women are listening. And if you're a man listening, I'm sorry. Um, but actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> but I don't think a lot of people realize they have sexual or they may have sexual trauma because something maybe like like quote unquote huge didn't happen in their life that we've already like pre-labeled traumatic as a society but i think i think many women have these little little things that maybe hurt them in the moment or it was you know what i mean and they don't think of it as sexual trauma and the more you dive into that work you're like it kind of like comes to you like oh shit that happened to me one time or, oh, maybe I was doing something that I didn't actually like doing. Or can you actually dive into what categorizes a sexual trauma on the smaller, on the, like, is that, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah, no, it, absolutely. Um, so much is in my head right now. So I want to talk about trauma. So how I think about it clinically um, and, and really how the trauma community does there's capital T trauma or a big T trauma and little T trauma. Mm-hmm. So a big T trauma is something that is kind of going to provoke um, post-traumatic stress disorder, or it could. Mm-hmm. So this is a big car accident, the death of a family member, 
some violent act, stranger rape would be big tree trauma, big T trauma, right? So stranger rape is how the media depicts sexual trauma, which is erroneous 88% of the time. So stranger rape is like a woman's walking down the street, some dude jumps out of the bushes or some guy's waiting in her car, right? Most sexual trauma over, again, 88% hope happens with someone known to the survivor, right? So it's date rape, someone in the family, if it's sexual abuse, um, it's a boyfriend, it's a husband, you know, uh, a guy you know on campus. Um, so that's big T trauma. Little T trauma is, is, Allie, exactly what you were alluding to. It's this micro trauma happens, this little thing happens, this little thing happens. And in those moments, none of them feel bad enough. And I'm using air quotes there. None of them feel like bad enough. Yeah, you so brush we, it off. Yeah. You're like, oh, weird, but whatever. Yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. I'm not going to worry about it. Years and years and years of this, they do add up. And then our body starts screaming with IBS, with eating disorders, with chronic pain, with hormonal issues, hair loss, you name it. Like, that's when our body starts talking. It's like, excuse me, that was a big deal. And you really need to address it and not let that happen anymore. Yeah. How does someone start to, like, or maybe the answer is just awareness, but how does someone really start to dive into that to realize, oh, that I might have a lot of those little T traumas Mm -hmm. and how do they start to work through those? Yeah. So listen to your body. Your body is going to tell you um, if there's something wrong. And this can even be an anxiety You know, a lot of my clients come to me and they're like, I am really anxious and I don't know why nothing that bad happened. So that's when I'll know I need to go back. And this is, I'm telling all of your listeners, if you keep telling yourself nothing that bad happened, I really want you to go back and re-examine those moments that you were mentioning, Allie, like, oh, you know what? That wasn't exactly consensual. Oh, that was definitely not pleasurable. Those, those add up and we have to pay attention to them. Um, in my work, like, so, so what you mentioned was the, the focus of my dissertation, um, and a little self promoting plug here. Um, the title of my new book is reclaiming pleasure, a sex positive guide to moving past sexual trauma and reclaiming a passionate life, mm-hmm. um, is manuscript due in a couple weeks. That'll be published later this summer. So I'm hoping you and I can jump back on and maybe have an hour to devote just yes. Topic. And I started a book club for the podcast. So we'll add that yeah. in once it's once, once we're live. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So it's, it, it's on the way. Um, so a, a lot of what I do with women in particularly in that situation is walk them through the protocol, the things I have discovered that really helps a lot of which we've talked about today. It's control. So it's really setting your boundaries, making sure consent is implicit in all of your connections. Um, The next is pleasure, figuring out what you like for yourself, how good sex feels good, like how it, you know, how it moves through your body, how you're thinking about it in your mind and then connection and just really having that connection feel like it's coming from an authentic place in you and that you can say anything you need to say to a partner and not feel like they're going to get defensive or insecure. um, Some of those things that we've talked about. How do you think that translates to someone who's like, you can have someone who's comfortable with having just a single partner, but how would that translate to someone who is maybe just interested in having multiple partners? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they just, they're going to practice that more. Like they're going to crack practice <laughs> more. And every time they're with a new partner, it's going to be this beautiful rediscovery of pleasure. Because again, what's pleasurable with one partner is not necessarily necessarily pleasurable with the next. Yeah. I want to take a step back into your therapy work because I also Mm -hmm. saw that you're a somatic psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people listening, that's going to be something they're hearing for the first time. I just started researching or looking into somatic therapy and I have a few friends that have recommended it to me. But is that a lot of, um, do you do that in partnership with a lot of your sex coaching or sex therapy to see where that trauma is, correct me if I'm wrong, in the body so you can start releasing it for them? Exactly. You just, you said it, you said it beautifully. Um, To study sexuality, I couldn't wrap my head around, like, how can I study sex if I'm not studying the body? Yeah. 
So somatic psychology, just to be super clear, somatic psychology is body psychology. So I listen as much to what my clients are telling me with their words as what they're telling me with their body. And I went through some of those common symptoms before almost always disordered eating. Like if there's a sex problem, I will almost always see an eating or an exercise problem. Right. And then chronic pain, anxiety, panic attacks. This is literally uh, me. Oh my God. Yeah. Hormonal issues, (laughs) hair loss, autoimmune, autoimmune stuff. Yeah. Uh, Poor memory, another sign of, you know, trauma that hasn't been dealt with. Um, so that's really like the body is my way in. So I'm, everything is through the lens of the body for me. And I know in recovery from trauma, helping people feel better, I'm really trying to de-escalate nervous system arousal, right? So I see the nervous system on a scale of one to 10, one is pretty much catatonic, 10 is full blown panic attack. Um, most people come to me, they sit right around an eight. They're just like always anxious, right? So my job, is how do we back that down? What are the things that we can do? And I know pleasure and connection are two really, really strong ways to do that. And again, it's not just sexual. In your life, how can you first create control so you know you're safe? Second, introduce more pleasure. And disordered eating is all like a rejection of pleasure, right? Or if we do accept it, then we feel bad for accepting it. Then we have to binge it away or exercise it away. Yeah. And then connection. The human body is just a wild thing, hey? It is. It wild. Is. Yeah. I'm like sitting here in my brain. <laughs> my brain is just going 100 miles a minute. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like there's, there's, there's just, there is a lot to process. And I want to be mindful of diving into too much on this, in this conversation, because I think it's more important to leave people with, fewer but important foundation steps with actionable items. And I think a lot of the things we spoke about today really will help people understand or rebuild or explore that foundation a lot better, but also understanding that it is, we did just skim the surface, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to it. So why don't we leave people with some takeaways? Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a recap. I think one, again, like sink into that idea of sex positivity. All sex is good sex as long as it's consensual and pleasurable. I want you to let yourself off the hook for the things you might like, the things you think you're not doing right. Like it's if it's in those two boxes, consent and pleasure, it's good. Go towards those boxes, right? Go towards checking those boxes. Um. The second is really creating a self-pleasure protocol for yourself. And I'm saying self-pleasure protocol, if you want to call it masturbation, jacking off, wanking, like you call it whatever you want, you call it whatever you want to call it. But it just sounds, I don't know, when I say self-pleasure protocol, because it's not all sex, right? right. And Allie, like I love that you really held on to that. You're like, oh, this is about in life. This is about creating a space and an environment and a mm-hmm. feeling I want to feel. Sensuality, eroticism, and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Know, know yourself. Um, and then the third would be to listen to your body and respect it because it's not trying to betray you. It's trying to save you. So all those somatic cues that you are getting, stop trying to push those down, push them away and, and really pay attention to them and come at them with compassionate curiosity so you can better understand your body and then you're going to better understand your sexuality. Yeah, totally. I love that. I think when you, in the second recap, when you just said like rediscovering things in life that are sensual and non-sensual, mm-hmm. It really is just like the mating dance in life, hey? When you think about it, when you fall or when you you notice you're attracted to someone in your life, they're usually in a really confident stage. They're doing everything they like. You're attracted to just a lot more than just their appearance. Mm-hmm. It's That's usually true. that that energy of them feeling like I'm living my life, I'm happy, and I can relate that back to self with like past partners. I attracted some amazing men, but as I started to go through my relationship and lose, you know, in touch with myself and struggle with other things and really ultimately lose all my confidence and became a worrying hot mess, the attraction between my, like my partner and I, it was, it was gone. Mm. And it was a lesson that needed to happen because 
I sat there when the relationship was done. I was extremely hurt, but at the same time, I knew exactly why it was done. And it came down to a lot of it was that realization of like, okay, I'm very upset, but I can also understand why. I can't blame that person when I couldn't take control over a lot of things myself. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that's such an important thing is kind of starting to feel like you can be in flow and be happy with like who you are and what's around you and how you can make the best out of that. Yeah. Yeah. The sexiest person, the best sex is confidence, right? Confident sex, um, empowered sex. We can't get that again if we don't know what we like. So just my call to action, women go out, start masturbating, start exploring. Um, The sex toys are important, but you know, there's not a sex toy. Like, you know, what works for one woman, what works your best friend might not work for you. And again, don't think you are broken because of it. It's just different and different. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with your girlfriends. If you're not talking about this with your girlfriend, you can join our Facebook group and talk about it with my friends. Awesome. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, um, thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you so much for coming to have such an important conversation. Um, I know you told us you are working on a book, but outside from that, tell us a bit more about your practice and how people can find you and if you're taking new clients or all of that good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So I am licensed in California, Oregon, and New Jersey. So in those states, I do sex therapy everywhere else. And internationally, I do sexual wellness coaching. Um, You're pretty much getting the same thing, but I just want to be clear. You know, it's the licensing part is a big part of this. Um, People can find me um, on social media and my website. Everything is at Dr. Holly Richmond. Um, So D-R-H-O-L-L-Y-R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D. And the website is drhollyrichmond.com. Um, you can email me. We can set up a 10-minute consultation and decide if we're a good fit. Um, I do have a couple openings right now. Not, not a ton, but some. But I've got some great people that I work with that I can always filter you off to as well. Amazing. Thank you so much. I will type all of that stuff in the show notes for you guys so you'll be able to access it. And thank you again so much for hanging out with me and having such an important conversation. Oh, thank you, Allie. Take good care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have two episodes that drop every single week for you on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And of course, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes. Slide into my DMs and... You can find the link for my free online community. This is designed for inspiring, badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. See you then.